Welcome to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. Here, we're bridging the gap to find a connection in a society that can sometimes feel isolating. We've all experienced our share of successes and the challenges that we faced along the way, and we're here to talk about all of them, along with sharing some tidbits on mental health. So grab your favorite drink, pop a squat, and you might just hear something that sounds familiar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sounds Familiar podcast. I'm your host, Alex Lavely. Today I'm joined by Emily, who lives in Toronto, Canada, and has a business as a mindfulness and transformation coach. In this episode, she will share some of her personal journey as we discuss overcoming trauma, healing childhood wounds, and people-pleasing tendencies that stem from childhood experiences. One of the coolest things about Emily is that she is focused on science and spirituality in healing beliefs, identity, and emotional regulation. I can't wait for you all to hear from her. So welcome to the podcast, Emily. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Um, Why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, whatever you want to share. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a mindset and manifestation um, healing. It's it's called Integrative M. So it's integrating like the different dimensions of who you are. And my rationale, the reason why I got into this is through my own healing journey. So my dad had a personality disorder. You would characterize it as um, covert um, narcissism. Um and at the end, you know, getting progressively worse. Um, but that kind of led me into trying to figure out, you know, why I was expressing mental, emotional, and physical health issues as I was a teen. And then it led into uh, realizing that I had suppressed uh, a lot of trauma. And that really got me into the subconscious mind, that got me into healing, that got me into nervous system regulation, the mind and the body connection. And yeah, it just led me on like this really beautiful journey. And then, you know, through that, I really realized that I wanted to help others with this. Yeah, I think those things are so important. And um, like in my own journey too, I can definitely relate to you as far as 
like not knowing that there's trauma, but then your journey has encompassed like the spiritual side, the physical side, all of these things, which are all very important. Um, So I'm wondering like in your perspective and in your healing journey, what has the inner child healing looked like? Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of inner child healing work. And from my perspective, so coming from from the science, and then I'll get into the spirituality of it, but between the ages of zero to seven, your brainwave states in alpha or theta, so you're really suggestible. And so within those times, um, you're basically like downloading information that's going on in your environment and then also the assumption and meaning that you're giving to the experiences. And so within those years, it's important to kind of look back and then to analyze and to see like where these beliefs, assumptions, identities, perceptions came from. And so 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 that's the science of it. But then the spiritual part of it too is, you know, that's your inner child. So that's the version of you that maybe didn't know how to handle these experiences or, you know, their analytical mind hadn't developed yet. So they were just basically downloading all of this in. So inner child healing is going back to moments and experiences that you've had in those early years. And then, you know, because trauma is just perceptions that you've had that were, you know, painful or you've had, you've, you've associated a meaning with it that is disempowering essentially. And so inner child healing is going back to those moments and then giving that version of you, maybe what they needed to have at that moment in time or what they wanted to have, or just an empowering meaning that you can now give it with your current state of awareness, that that version of you, that inner child, that um, that child version of you didn't have. And so it's just this powerful um, technique or modality of going back and healing those root experiences, those original wounds um, that were formed within those ages. Yeah. And so for your experience with a father who was covert narcissistic, um, was that the only kind of trauma and things that you had to do inner child healing with or Um, Were there other aspects of your life that were like you found later on like, hey, wow, this is an area that it wasn't necessarily hurtful at the time, but like now as an adult looking back, I can see how it's shaped me in maybe a negative way. Yeah, 100%. And I think that this part, and I'll get into a story, but I think that that part is like, it doesn't need to be this huge trauma that happens. It can be those little experiences that you've associated a meaning with that are carrying on and then affecting your present reality, like putting a filter over it. And so one of the things that I did have to do some work on was um, at like my babysitters, like I felt like I was an outcast. Like I felt like I was just different and kind of secluded from a lot of things. And so that's something that, I had to go back and give that inner child and some of those memories and experiences a different meaning and allow those frequencies and those vibrations that were contracted in my body to be released. And so, so that's something that's one, one story or one experience that I've had to go back and give that a different meaning because that filter and those assumptions and meaning that I was giving to that experience, like something's wrong with me or, you know, I I don't fit in or honestly just being scared to be myself. That was a huge thing for me from those, from those experiences. So yeah, yeah. It wasn't just um, my dad. There was also a lot of other 
you know, relatively small or you'd look back and be like, it's not that bad. Um, But those experiences really had an impact on me. One of the key phrases that I heard you kind of talk about were the inner vibrations being contracted, like as a younger girl. Um, Can you explain a little bit about like what you mean when you say that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you can look at it, like there's an energy moving to and through you in all moments. And so if you have a emotion, so energy and motion of say shame or guilt or anger. So when that emotion is passing through your body, the most beneficial thing to do is just allow that to pass. But when we're children or even adults, um, we don't like humans don't like pain. And so they they contract in it like they don't want to feel it. I don't like this. And so what that does is just lock the vibration within your body and within your nervous system. And it doesn't allow the energy to actually move through and flow through you as it naturally should. And so if you have those moments throughout time where you just keep contracting in those um, vibrations and in those um, emotions that are painful, they just get locked and trapped in your nervous system. And, you know, part of it is going through and allowing those to to pass through in, a, in, in an efficient way after. But if you if you just have a whole bunch of contracted emotions within your body, it puts you in survival, it really knocks your nervous system out of coherence and out of balance. And then your, your body starts reacting because, you know, it's, it just wants the energy to keep moving through, um, as it should. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. Um, because so coming at it from like, I'm in, uh, marriage and family therapy, that's what I want to do. Um, but we don't really focus on the actual like energy aspect of it. Right. We just know that it's an emotion. And once they're kind of like compounded on top of one another for so long, then you kind of get this like, like you're saying, this um, nervous system like on um, survival mode. And so my question for you is how do you allow the energies to like start moving again? Mm -hmm. So that's like the deep internal work. And so obviously to heal, you have to feel those emotions because the emotions that we have, so like the lower frequency ones, like anger, anger is actually like higher than guilt and shame and um, uh, guilt, shame, um, grief, those emotions are actually lower. But um, to to allow them to start passing through your system, you have to feel them, like you have to allow them because when you feel them, it gives them like the opportunity to just naturally pass through your system. And so for me, there was so much emotion that I had contracted in. I would say like, I was an expert at not feeling my emotions. Like (laughs) I was so good at it. Um, And that's kind of how I survived my childhood was just disassociate with them and not feel them. And so a lot of my healing was going back and either going back to the moment and or just feeling into the energy of it. Like you don't need to have the story that's associated with the emotion, just as long as you can access the emotion and and the vibration and just allow it to be there without judging it, without thinking that it's bad, without placing a meaning over it, because they don't have meaning unless you place a meaning over it. So just allowing it, like feeling into it. And then 
eventually those emotions start to leave your body and then your whole system just starts changing. You you just feel lighter and it, it creates space within your system. And then your natural state is love. Um, and so eventually when those lower frequency emotions start leaving your body, you just start becoming more of like who you actually are and like embodying the frequency of, of love. So yeah, it's feeling it. Yeah. One of the crazy things is that I think in society, we're kind of taught to like just trudge through and not really sit with our feelings. But it also teaches us like what anger means. So we have this associated meaning with all of these different emotions and it's very hard not to judge them when they pop up. Right. Um, So in your inner child healing, when you go back to that seven-year-old who is angry or feeling ashamed, how do you allow that child to like not judge the feeling, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense? Yeah, yeah. So this is done like with your current state of awareness. So you're just giving the child, so you essentially, just in a different moment in time, um, to process that emotion without judgment and just allow them to deal with it in whatever way. And the thing that's really important here is that you're not getting lost in the emotion, like you're not identifying with the emotion. Because I think there's... um, you know, when people talk about feeling your emotions, it's not getting lost in the emotion and getting swept away and super identifying with the emotion. It's just allowing the emotion to be without identifying with it. So like you are not the emotion. It's just something that's passing through your body. And so the same thing when you're doing inner child work, like you're not, you're not getting lost in it. And and in that, because that will actually do more harm than it does good, right? Um, it's just allowing space for for that to happen. And I think a really important part in this is once the, once you've felt into that emotion and you just need to access it for a little bit, it's, it's then changing the meaning and then giving that child, that part of you, what they actually needed to have in that moment. And so it's changing the perception after, after you have felt the emotion and let it pass, pass through. So I think that's like a really important distinction that I just want to make that you're, you don't get lost in it because that does do more harm than it does like good. And I think maybe that happens a lot in therapy, right? Like when you're reliving the actual instance instead of working through, like you're saying, like letting it pass through, not judging it because you're going back to that moment a lot of the time and it's sucking you back into that feeling and you're how could you not identify you know um so can we talk about how exhausting this work is yeah yeah for sure yeah it's it's exhausting but I think at the end of it because each time you heal a part of you and each time you allow more space in you do feel like your your nervous system starts to recalibrate and it's kind of one of those things that's like putting a short-term um you know, sacrifice in for like a long term gain, like if you just do this work, and allow yourself to do it, and maybe you'll you'll feel really tired after it, Uh, your body's just recalibrating. And it's, you know, sort of calibrating to a a level or or a space where um, you're at a different state. And so 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like the mindset of, okay, well, what's the other option to just carry on with all of these emotions and honestly feel just so dense and heavy all the time? Or do some work you might feel like a little bit tired, um, but then at the end of it, you get like just the best reward. Like you start feeling like yourself and you have more joy and you have more love and you start relating to people different. So it is exhausting, um, but the end result, in my perspective, I think is like, you know, irreplaceable. <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome and such good information to have. So kind of moving forward, I, I know that your journey kind of stemmed from your own personal experience, like what led you to helping others heal the way that you have. So kind of want to get into that. Um, so due to the past like struggles that you had with your dad, how did that like affect your inner child and how you viewed yourself like even through adulthood? Yeah. So I'll talk about it when I was unaware of the trauma and unaware of my dad having like a mental illness and personality disorder. So before I was aware of this, my body was expressing symptoms. So my gut health was super bad. I had hormonal just issues. I was extremely emotionally dysregulated. Like I think I would put on like a perfect persona when I would go out, but then behind the doors, like I would be just emotionally just super dysregulated and I couldn't really figure out what was wrong with me. Like I would go and listen to podcasts and I I just knew there was something that was going on, but I had placed all of my emphasis on my physical health. And then through the journey and, and through realizing that my dad had a mental illness, it was then going into the, the non-physical and it's the non-physical that is affecting and being expressed through the physical. Um, so how did that affect like how you showed up in relationships? Okay, so it showed up in relationships. It was probably, it most manifested through my relationships. And so at the beginning when I was unaware, um, it would be just really insecure. And it was almost like I was projecting because in my family relationship, um, I was always walking on eggshells around my dad. Like I, I never really quite knew what mood he was going to be in or if I had done something wrong or, you know, what, what was going to happen. So I was in this survival state. And so that would just duplicate onto the relationships that I was having. So it was like things were going well and things were stable. And when things were stable, I would almost create something that, um, wasn't actually even there like and then <laughs> and then I would get insecure and then try to control the situation um and then a lot of my behavior during the, that time in like my early relationships was a lot of fleeing so it would be like manipulating and trying to control the situation in this super unconscious way by just like disappearing for a few days or not replying um and that was definitely out of this like this emotion that I was having with maybe being abandoned or there's just this general insecurity and in relationships of just duplicating the pattern that was ha that was happening in my household with this male uh, relationship. So that was in my 
earlier years. And then as it moved on, like, because I think that relationships are super good mirrors to what's going on inside. So your runes, depending on the person and the traits that they embody, are just kind of mirrored back to you. So with my later relationship, it was interesting because it completely shifted to almost this savior complex of um, I could feel that the person that I was with also had these shadows and it turned into me being almost like this savior and, you know, trying to um, make this person better and kind of just adapting my sense of self to support them. And yeah, so so that was really interesting how it shifted in those moments. And that was also a projection of a relationship that I had with my dad too, right? Because my dad also had this really vulnerable side of him that I just wanted to help. And I just, he, he, he was such a victim of his own life and I wanted to be the one to, to help him and to make him feel good. And so that was another really interesting projection in the later years of, about how that manifested um, in that relationship. So yeah, it was definitely, it had a huge impact on me and it's been a huge healing journey um, as well, just even, you know, now when I start to feel things arising, it's like, huh, like, where is this coming from? Oh, this abandonment wound, like, so interesting. Because, um, yeah, it's never about the actual person. It's just about what it's bringing up in you. So, yeah, really good learning lessons. Yes. Um, so one of the things that I heard was this savior complex of, like, needing to fix things for other people. I'm wondering how that plays into your people-pleasing that you had going on. I don't know if you still are recovering from the people-pleasing, but can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, yes. So definitely the people-pleasing was a huge thing. And actually, so it was interesting because the people-pleasing would really show up in relationships that maybe weren't my intimate relationships. I think different patterns would show up when people really got to know the authentic me and that was in my intimate relationships and I think those were the were the main ones so the people pleasing would show up in relationships that um you know were with other people so I would put on this perfect persona and then I would just want everyone to like me like I would just adapt my sense of self depending on who I was with and then uh yeah the I would just please, depending on who that was. And I think a pattern from my childhood, I don't think this was a pattern from my childhood, which was um, being super empathetic. So I could almost feel other people. And then I'd be able to adapt my sense of self. And this was definitely coming from survival. So yeah, a huge part of um, my healing was stopping the people pleasing. And that came from healing myself and giving myself my own permission. you know, not needing it and not needing validation from other people. And yeah. Hey, it's me, Alex, just popping in to give you a break from our current episode to remind you that your story matters. If you have something that you think you'd like to share on the podcast, feel free to check the show notes for a link and don't be afraid to reach out. Also, if you're enjoying the show and want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow me on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. That's S-O-U-N-D-S-F-A-M-I-L-I-A-R dot P-O-D. All right, now back to the show. 
have so much in common in our stories. Um, my father figure did not have a mental illness, but he left the family. And so there was that abandonment issue and then the, the people pleasing, but also like you said, that was a survival instinct um, because growing up, maybe you had to kind of keep the peace. And I heard you talk about um, with your dad specifically that you had to kind of rescue him from the tendencies that he had. And so for you, even as a young kid, I'm wondering what that was like to see your adult figure and kind of be like, oh, I have to take care of him. Like I have to make sure that he's okay. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. It was really interesting. And honestly, the best way that I could describe it is that I just felt my sense of self had almost completely molded with his, obviously from quantum entanglement, but it was like, I just felt so bad for him. Like I just felt like, cause he would go on these stories about all of these people wrongdoing him and it's just all of these elaborate stories about how he was the victim. And I just felt so bad for him. Like I just wanted, cause from my perspective, it was like, yeah, people are just being so horrible to him. You know, now I can see that <laughs> maybe these people had a reason. Um, or Yeah, like there was some responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't all of these, um, you know, things happening to him. Um, <laughs> but at the, mo- at the time, like my current awareness was, I, I just felt so sad for him and I just wanted him to be okay like I think it was more a feeling like I don't think I consciously really understood what was going on and I like I don't remember any thought patterns but I just remember the feeling of like feeling sick and then just wanting him to be okay so yeah yeah it was it was more of a feeling it was more of like an emotional yeah pull and I'm also wondering you know society kind of has this like father, daughter, like what that should look like. And when you're young and you want your father to show up for you in certain ways, but he can't, it's like, oh, how do I overcompensate so that he can? Like, how do I make him okay so that he's who I need him to be? Yeah. Did you experience that? Yeah. So I feel like, so I did my master's in um, environmental science and honestly, looking back a huge part of that was unconscious super unconscious like I would have argued for this like I would have been like no this is my choice but now that I look back I'm like this was definitely a um pattern to try and get the acceptance and approval from my dad like I just remember having if I would hand in a paper and I get a good mark back it'd be like the first thing I do is like is dad gonna like love this or you know if I had this idea and that was something that we really bonded with because my relationship with my dad wasn't completely all bad. I had really good times with my dad and I had really bad times with my dad and it makes it complex. But I would have this, I had this really special like intellectual bond with my dad. So it felt like I could really relate to him. And he was honestly one of the only people that I could just have that really intellectual conversation with. And we would both you know, get each other and we could have these really cool uh, philosophical debates and all of these different things. Um, So, so yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, So in your current relationship, um, how 
have these things either shown up or how have you realized that you've healed these parts of you? Mm-hmm. So in my current relationship, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I have a lot of like quite candidly, um, feminine work to do in terms of, you know, balancing my masculine and feminine energies. And in my current relationship, one of the patterns that I find is just this really masculine energy of, um, not trying to control things, but in a way trying to control things. And so when that pattern (laughs) comes up, um, it's just like, what is going on? And then catching it and moving through it and even just saying like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm expressing this, (laughs) I'm going to go meditate, or I don't know what's going on right now. Like I'm going to go do my internal work. But yeah, that, that pattern still definitely comes up in terms of like the abandonment stuff, that stuff has been worked through like a lot but even in the the summer so a few months ago maybe like eight months ago that that pattern was coming up and it was interesting like I remember one time um he said that he'd be home at like eight o'clock or something and it was like nine and I had this I just got so anxious and I got really mad and I was sitting there I'm like why why am I mad right now like what's actually going on and it was this this feeling of being abandoned like I don't matter like I'm, I'm being abandoned right now. Like I'm worthless and all of these patterns. And so it was like, so interesting. Okay. I'm going to go work on that. You know, it doesn't actually have anything to do with them. So it's that, that was a pattern that, um, was still coming up. I'd say that, that that's pretty worked through, but the pattern of the controller and a lot of the masculine energy is still pretty present. And it's something that I need to you know, keep diving into consistently because it shows up. And yeah, it's honestly just really interesting. (laughs) That is really interesting because so like I've kind of worked through these similar things, but when you bring up masculine versus feminine energy, like that has not been something that I've looked into for myself. And I lived primarily with my mother who when my dad left, had to take on this more masculine role, right? And so I learned through her that that's just the way I need to show up in the world in order to get things done, in order to take care of myself. And so I'm wondering if for you, that masculine energy was because even though you had really great times with your dad, you were like, there are still some significant deficits in that area. Yeah, 100%. And I think I made assumptions pretty quickly on that, I needed to take care of myself. Like I was like the independent, like I can get it all done. Like I don't need anyone else. Um, That persona is definitely like was definitely created. And so I think that that's still present within the current relationship. It's like almost like not even allowing myself to fully not need the other person, but fully like allow space in for another person. Um, and yeah, just a lot of that feminine, like relaxing into the moment and being a little bit more, um, fluid. And I would say it's really, it's really interesting actually, because when I'm alone, I'm a lot more feminine, but then when I get with the person, I, I just have my walls up. Like I'm, (laughs) it's just like a big rock. So yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For me, it was like, when I'm away, I'm like romanticizing what it's like to be, you know, the damsel who is taken care of by this 
Prince Charming or whatever. But then when the man like enters, when my husband enters the picture, I'm like, no, I'm running the show. Like, I don't need you to take care of me. But I also feel so sad about that because it does not leave space for him to come in and do what I need sometimes, you know? Like, I feel weird even saying that I need it because that just goes against my nature as like this masculine energy, you know? Yeah. No, I resonate with that so much. And it's kind of like, yeah, you have these expectations, like when you have some space, like, okay, things are going to change and I'm going to, I don't know, even know, like embody different traits. And I can do this because when, when you have that space, when you're alone, but then yeah, when, when they, when they get there, they're just, you know, putting something back onto you that isn't healed. And yeah, you just have those, those walls up of these wounds. <laughs> yeah. I yes. completely resonate with that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. After this episode, I'm going to like need to go back and just have some time to myself to think about all of this. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, which is a great segue into like your business yeah. um, because I've read that you like combine um, epigenetics, biohacking, neuroscience, all into this healing journey for people. Um, How did your journey lead to using those things? Yeah. So everything kind of just like stacked on one another. So the way that I did my healing journey was like, if, if, so I'd, so I'd start something, I'd put one step forward and then that would lead me into something else. And then I'd find something else from that. And so everything kind of built on each other. And the way I look at it is it happened in divine timing and everything came into my life. Like it was like, I manifested exactly the next step at the perfect time to get me to the next step, to get me to the next step, to get me to the next step. And so all of those things, like the biohacking, the biohacking was definitely something that I was doing before I even was aware of the trauma like it was a lot of the the physical uh, work because I seriously thought that there was something wrong with my physical body I was like I definitely have a disease or something um and so that was that was the first thing that I really got into but then that bridged me into more of the energy work and more of the inner child work and then that would bridge me into the epigenetics and the quantum healing um and then that you know it would just lead into one another. And then that led me into the neuroscience, but they all kind of cycled back. Right. Cause like when you're doing the inner child work and you're working on healing trauma, then it's like the neuroscience is obviously connected to that. So it was kind of like this bridge of events and information that I kind of just leapfrogged, um, to, and then within my business, I integrate everything that I've learned into my practice. So for somebody who's like interested in like the epigenetics or the biohacking part, like what is one thing within like the coaching that you do that's like the key or like the major thing, like the cornerstone of healing? What would you say that one thing is? Yeah. If there is one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's like a good question, right? Because again, everything is interrelated, but I would definitely say it's the nervous system regulation. Like it's balancing those two 
parts of you. So the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system, and then aligning those again, and then healing those energies and trauma that's locked within your nervous system to allow space for new energies to come in that is actually aligned and congruent with who you are. So I'd say if there was one thing and also a way to bypass a lot of the mind. So I do a lot of mindset work, but a way to almost bypass that is the nervous system. So if you go straight to the nervous system, your thoughts will naturally get better. Your um, emotional state will get better. Like it's just a hack. So like the biohacking and the epigenetic bit about it is to focus on nervous system regulation, healing the trauma from your nervous system that's been locked and contracted. And then, yeah, just um, building coherence within, within your nervous system. In your experience, like as a coach, how might these issues with the nervous system present? Like what are the, the main ways that you've seen people like needing assistance in this area? Yeah. So if you're locked in your head and if you are, you know, getting lost in negative thought patterns or even identifying with belief systems, it indicates that your nervous system isn't necessarily regulated because a manifestation of that is being in survival. So when you're in survival, you're you're hyper-focused on what's happening in the environment and you're super analytical and you're, you're just thinking and then creating stories. So a really good indicator when people come to me, if their nervous system is out of balance is again, like they're just getting lost in their head. Um, they're making these stories. They generally don't feel well. Honestly, I would say like so much of people's problems is a uh, dysregulated nervous system. Like when they're stressed out, they go into survival um, and then their nervous system's dysregulated. So yeah, there's there's a lot of different indicators on how that could happen, even physical manifestations in the body. So like your gut health not working pr- properly or your um, hormonal health, um, you know, if we look at the nervous system, because your body wants to function in coherence, its natural state is, you know, coherence and balance. And so when that's not happening, there's an issue. And I would say most of the time that's coming down to a... Uh, an imbalanced nervous system or a nervous system like issues. Yeah. And so I'm curious because I've met people in my life and I might have been this person at one point where you're like really stressed out. And then all of a sudden you like can't deal with a single other thing. And you look back and you're like, I used to be able to handle like way more than this. Mm -hmm. So would you say that's like, the nervous system again of just like this compounded energy yeah and you talk talk about that yeah from your perspective <laughs> because if you think about it like you're a cup and then if you just keep filling it with like mud so this is energy and and it's being contracted and so like it's not being able to to leave it's eventually just going to keep overloading you're going to feel heavier you're going to feel just like there's more energy within your body um and then it's going to keep being expressed through different things so sometimes it literally doesn't even matter what's happening in the external world but something can happen and it just triggers this like irrational explosion of energy and that's because you're just holding all of this energy within your body when it wants to be expressed like it wants to leave your body it's 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 contracted it's energy it wants to move um so yeah so that would just be energy that is within your nervous system that's causing an imbalance within your nervous system that is just being like hit and 
that's what happened with me. So, so much of my, um, what was happening earlier on was I, I was just holding everything in and I felt heavy. I was expressing physical, emotional, um, issues and then something would happen and I just have this explosion of energy of like laying in bed for like four days just feeling like I can't move and just like crying in my bed just so heavy and that was because I just kept holding it all in when it it has to be expressed so it's going to do that in whichever way um whichever way so yeah it's balancing your nervous system and releasing those things from your nervous system and allowing your body to feel safe enough um, is super, super important. For the expression, right? There are some probably negative ways to like handle, um, you know, addiction, all of these things that people turn to because they just can't live with what's happening inside their bodies. Um, So for somebody who is listening to this and thinks, wow, maybe I have a nervous system problem. Like what's the first step to take? Like how do you start regulating yourself? Mm -hmm. So I'll give you the most powerful free tool. Um, And then obviously the way that I did a lot of it was working with someone so they could help me and they could also hold space for me. And there are so many different modalities. So I did so many different things and worked with different energy practitioners and did different therapies. Um, so there's all that available, but, um, meditation is honestly the best tool to allow those emotions to be expressed because when you can focus your energy inside, and even though it may be extremely, extremely difficult, it's like casting a light on those shadow parts of yourself that you just don't want to deal with. And you don't know if how you're going to deal with them. Um, just another tip on that too is if you are worried about that and you're worried about this is going to be too much, your subconscious mind will never give you anything that you don't have the capacity to deal with. So it won't even show you things if you don't have the capacity to deal with them. So that just gives you some reassurance that it's okay and you'll be able to move through any emotion that comes up because it just wouldn't give you something that you don't know how to handle or you don't have the capacity to allow it to move through. So that's just a point I wanted to bring up because some people worry and I definitely worried about that. Like I'm going to explode. Like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. Like, am I going to be okay? And then once I learned that it's only going to give me what I have the capacity to be able to process and handle in that moment, then it's like, okay, so I, I can do this. And it gives you just a little bit more confidence. So one thing that, sorry, one thing about that is I think so many people are kind of going off of this response that like, well, I did blow up though, because I couldn't handle that one small thing. Like my husband didn't load the dishwasher when I told him, so I just blew up. I can't possibly deal with like these really dark things from my past or whatever it is without blowing up, right? And so I think they come at this, issue from past experience. Um, So what you're saying is that you have to trust yourself. Um, But for people that can be really difficult, right? Like they grew up not trusting probably anybody. If you have this nervous system dysregulation, it came from somewhere. So how do you learn to trust yourself in that? Yeah, I think that's a process. Like that was like trusting myself after all this happened, because a huge part of it for me at least was how did I not understand that this was happening? Like, how could I not see that? So it was this huge thing of 
okay, this was I objectively so clearly wrong, but how can I not see that? And how did I not see that? Um, so trusting myself in, in that way was huge, but then just trusting yourself. I think it's just having faith. It's, it's having faith that like everything is happening for you there. You, you are supported. You have guides available to you that are there to support you. Um, and so even if you don't trust yourself, you can kind of trust the universe, like, you know, just bank on that. If you're just lacking a little bit in self trust that you actually are supported to something greater, whatever you believe in. Um, so I think just having faith in that way, like if you are having, um, doubts or self trust, it's trusting in something that is maybe, um, you know, it's within you, but beyond you. And I think that that adds a lot of, um, grace with the entire entire process but also it's looking so the example when the person was reacting to something and kind of exploded it's looking at it as you're going into this in a different state and also focus on your intention too so um, you know you're not going in it where you're already reactive and it's bringing up something you're kind of just like having an intention and holding space um, for yourself and going internal. So you're not reacting, but you're just moving through them internally instead. So just a different relationship with um, the emotions. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Because I, you know, having been reactive at one point, it was like, yeah, it was really difficult for me to take a step toward trusting myself and trusting the process because I just didn't trust anything. Uh, (laughs) That makes sense. Um, And so I think for some people who are going through some difficult things, maybe like you can't reconcile. Um, I know for you, you shared with me previously that the issues with your dad, your dad had passed. Um, So can you talk about your journey like since his passing, maybe unresolved issues and how you have kind of navigated those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So since his passing, it it was really interesting because the expectations that I had, because throughout the entire process, I would say most of the process, I wasn't really angry with him. Like I I felt heartbroken. Like I would say it was more grief and heartbreak rather than like anger. And it was me wanting to reconcile like 90% of the time. And then a a bit of me saying, well, you do need to heal, you know, you like, you need to have a boundary and um, you you can't just go back to the familiar. So when he passed, um, the expectation of ever reconciling was kind of obviously broken, (laughs) um, at least in his physical form. So that was difficult. And I had the thought pattern like when he first passed of, um, you know, I didn't heal. I didn't heal fast enough. I didn't heal fast enough uh, to reconcile with him. So that was one thing that I had to work through. And obviously I knew like intellectually that, you know, it's not my fault. It's okay. But it was still present from from the, the little me. So that was something to work through. And then the other thing, there was, there was lots of things, but um, almost a sense of relief. Um, and it was relief because I felt safe and also relief because I knew that he was in a better place. Like I knew how dark and dense that he was. And so when he passed, it was almost like, 
a liberation of energy almost. Like I just felt a lot more spaciousness from thinking about him. So it was those two different things and complex and confusing. <laughs> um, and then the way that I, I reconciled was just being okay with it. And I think before he passed, I was still trying to figure out what was going on with him because he was so complex. Um, and so after he passed, a huge healing part of it was just looking at him as complex and uh, seeing both polarities existing within him. Like, you know, he had all of these really wonderful traits that I admired. And then he had all of these negative traits that I was super scared of (laughs) and that really hurt me and were really painful. So it was allowing both things to be true and like just allowing space for that and looking at him as a whole instead of this secular way of thinking. I was just looking at him as a whole person and complex with a range of, um, you know, traits and then also more compassion for, you know, he had all of these emotions that he clearly wasn't able to process and, um, yeah, just a, a allowing space for how difficult that would have been for, for him as well to, to go through this with all of this emotional chaos um, and then how that led into like a complete delusion. So, yeah, it was kind of just feeling like compassionate for him in a way. Um, and that was really healing as well. To, and, and then at the end, it was full gratitude for everything that had happened and the way that it all played out because I would look back and see that like none of this would have happened and I wouldn't have gone on this really interesting journey without all of the things that had happened during that time and all of the lessons that he did teach so yeah I would it was really healing um after after he passed and then the house like because we had to sell his house that was a huge chunk of it because it had so much meaning associated with it he built the house it was his dream house he planted a bunch of trees he landscaped um and so it was detaching from that and allowing myself to surrender to just everything that was going on without attaching to it and allowing myself to feel the range of emotions that that came up with everything So it was honestly a really great learning experience going through that and very healing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I just want to like talk a little bit about your demeanor. Like as I'm sitting here watching you talk about the compassion that you had for him and just the things that you found during your healing journey that allowed you to even process his passing in this way, because had you not healed, right, had you not done the work, it probably could have looked a lot different. Um, but when I see you talking about it, it's like this, this energy, you know, this like positive energy, this light of just like, yeah, it's just, it is what it is. And like, I am at ease, you know? Um, and I don't know if that's how you feel, but that's like what I was sensing in that whole story. No, it's definitely like a feeling state. Like it's definitely, you know, like an emotional sense of like, thank you. Like, thank you for everything. Like, I'm so grateful. And another thing too is, is like, I felt like my relationship and my connection with his essence got so much stronger after he passed. It's like, I feel like he is 
like his higher version, like not his dense egoic human self that was hurt and projecting a bunch of things. Like it was, it's like his essence, his consciousness I'm able to connect with and like here supporting me, like fully supporting me. So in that way too, I just think it's really healing because it's like the version of my dad that I saw with like the perception of just like a daughter just adoring the dad. It's kind of like that, but in this like more authentic, pure version. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's almost like full circle in a way because it's the parts of him that you needed and that you really admired as a small child. And now you feel like that's that's what you're choosing to cling to rather than the negative parts that he was associated with. Yeah. And just highlighting your words of, I am choosing to, to believe that because it is a choice, right? Like we all have a choice about what we want, what meaning we're giving to things and then what we're choosing. So just pointing that out, it is definitely, yeah, a choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so through this whole journey, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I wasn't sure. I have to keep checking. Um, so through this whole journey of like your whole life, yeah. you know, if you could go back to one age or whatever, what would you tell yourself at that moment? Yeah, I think I would tell myself and I would say probably around 12 years old is where I'm going back to. And I think that's where just so much was going on. I think I was super confused. I think I was dealing with these emotions and then also trying to like figure out who I was like my egoic self was really forming in the in that year um or those years so I would just tell myself honestly like keep going like everything's okay like everything is working out for you so I don't know if it would be to change anything it would honestly just be like reassurance and guidance and what's interesting is is that guidance was probably there during that time, whether I was connected and aware of it or not. But there, there was that always happening, like unconsciously. Um, so yeah, it would honestly just be, it's okay. Like you're on the right path. Just keep moving forward. Like difficult things are happening. You can get through it. You're resilient. You're adaptive. Um, and just a general feeling of everything's okay. Like you're, you're okay. Everything from now on is going to be fine. What would you say to someone who is who is struggling with, you know, abuse or trauma or, I mean, we talked about the nervous system regulation, so I guess you've already addressed that. Um, but yeah, like what would you say to somebody who might be dealing with like these really heavy and dense things in life? Mm -hmm. What I would say is to start, like start the healing journey, even if it's, you know, seeking out one thing or applying one thing, it's just taking that like micro step and focusing even 1% of your energy and attention into healing or putting yourself into a different path. Because if you're continuing on within the same 
programs and patterns, then you're obviously just going to get the same and it's just going to keep accumulating and accumulating and things are going to come into your reality. So you have the opportunity to heal them. And so it's like deciding between, are you just going to carry on and then allow all of these adversities and challenges or, you know, bad things or negative things to keep popping up to give you an opportunity to start looking inside Or can you take one tiny micro step to put you on a different timeline and in a different direction? And so that could literally be the smallest thing, you know, like when you have moments, it's being able to identify your triggers and maybe not reacting the same, like these tiny micro steps or, you know, feeding yourself better nutrition, any, literally anything that you pick (laughs) is perfect because it's changing the timeline and everything is integrated. So those things compound over time. So I would say, you know, just take one small micro step to put yourself into a different um, timeline and to focus on something different. And then those things will start accumulating. And then the more momentum that you get, the more things are going to come into your, your reality to get you to the next point and get you to the next point and get you to the next point. But it's like taking having the courage to just break the pattern a little bit and be a little bit uncomfortable. um, That's, that's really important. I so appreciate that perspective because I think so many people, including myself are like, I need to do every single thing that I possibly can right this minute. You know, like I want to heal as quickly as possible. So if I need to eat better, if I need to go to the gym, if I, they want to make all these changes right now. Right. And so I think it really takes the discipline enough to be like, I'm, I'm only going to do this thing and trust that it's going to lead to the next. Yeah. So I so appreciate that. It was a good reminder. A hundred percent. And I remember going to one of my energy healers and this was like when things were super full on, I was just, just had so many overwhelming emotions. And I think it was like five months into our time. And I was like, how long is this going to take? Like, is this almost done? Like, (laughs) is this like, how long is it going to take until I'm okay? And it was almost this like desperation because the way that I was feeling and the way that I was perceiving reality was just so chaotic and so heavy. And he was like, you know, that's the wrong question. Like, each time that you do something, each time that we come and do this work, like a layer gets lifted and then another layer gets lifted and eventually you'll feel better. Like you'll start to feel more spaciousness. And so I I really appreciated that too, because yeah, I was the same. It's like, when is this going to be done? And it's those small micro steps that compound over time and then build the momentum. And then you'll start to feel different or something will happen and you respond different. And then it's the, the those little wins that you see that just keep building off, off one another. So yeah. Absolutely. And I think what, what we need to recognize also is that how did we end up in this place? You know, like I'll be 30 this year. It took 30 years of all of these things compounding all of this energy that I didn't let pass through my body. And it's not just going to be healed overnight, you know, like I'm not saying it's going to take 30 years, but to expect that it's going to be done in a few weeks even is, is kind of unrealistic, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, So I think just being realistic with the expectations that we even have of ourselves in the healing process is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And then also just looking at it like a lifelong thing, like, you know, it's, 
never going to end. There's always more layers and there's always more depth. And maybe at the beginning, there's just so much depth and it, depth and it's so heavy. And so, you know, that's different. But then you get to a point where you're like, oh, wait, this is going to happen forever. Like there's more layers and there's more shadows and there's more things surfacing because as you clear one layer, another layer comes and then you have to clear that one and then something else will come and you're just constantly clearing these these things and then remembering who you are. But each time you clear a layer, you become more authentic and you become more whole. Yes. So yeah, yeah. And it, I think it can become like this maintenance, you know, this maintenance stage instead of like, oh, I have all these things to be healed right now, um, you know, and you work on that for a couple of years and, and you get to a healed point. Yeah, there is always going to be something that you have to work through, um, but it becomes like in order to maintain your health. Going to the gym is like an easy picture, right? If I'm overweight if I'm obese and I need to like lose a bunch of weight, like half my body weight, that's going to take time. But then after that, things are easier and things are for maintenance. Like I eat to maintain my weight. I go to the gym to maintain my weight. You know, does that make sense? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And that's the way that like, you know, I think about the mind too, like your mindset work and you have to retrain your mind. Like you, you don't go into the gym expecting results within like two sessions, right? It's like, that's just so true. So why are we expecting that? (laughs) Our minds. Um, So yeah, no, it's a completely like relevant analogy to, to, to look at it, like, and the time progression, but it's the same thing with the gym, right? Like you go in and it gets easier and then you go in and it gets like, you're practiced at it. And then it's the same. Yes. And you're also like, wait, like five years ago, I never went to the gym and now I couldn't even fathom not going to the gym, right? You know? And so when you're at a healed spot or a healed um, like stage in your life, you're like, wow, back then, whew, that was rough. But like, I'm so much better now because I took those steps Yeah, like you were talking about. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then, yeah, just full st- full circle is, you know, it's just taking that one step. Like if you haven't gone to the gym, it's not going into the gym the first time and then like doing everything and like tearing your muscles apart and like, you know, so you can't walk the next day. Yeah. It's like we're easing into this. Um, so it's the same thing with your, with your healing and with your mindset. It's literally the, you can duplicate that same framework over, (laughs) over the non-physical. Yes. Oh my gosh, I love what just was manifested in that conversation. Oh oh my gosh, so good. Um, Okay, this has been really great. So for those who are interested in like what you have to offer or um, want to reach out for more information, how is like, what's the best way to do? Yeah, so you can go to my website. So www.integrativem.com. Um, and then you can shoot me a message there or Emily at Integrative M. You can follow me on um, my Instagram. So Emily Alicia Bass, A-L-I-C-I-A Bass, or follow my YouTube. So Emily Bass. And so there I'm sharing like free content as well. So if you just want some, some free content, go there. And then if you want to work or go with me um, or go deeper with me, you can message me or email me on, on anything. 
Awesome. And I will definitely put all that information into the um, description of this episode so people can easily find it. Um, But thank you so much for joining me today, Emily. It has been so wonderful to talk to you. Yes, you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sounds Familiar. If you've enjoyed the show and found some value in it, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a written review and a glowing rating wherever you're listening. We all know how this internet stuff works, so it'll help more people like you find this show. If you want to stay up to date on all things familiar, follow us on Instagram at soundsfamiliar.pod. Talk to you next time. Have a great week.